Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. Brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We were never called to impress God. You were never called to do something so God will say, Wow, look at what this man have accomplished. No, ministry is primarily a call to be obedient to God in whatever the Lord has called you to. And so, if it is in obedience to God, it means that we have to draw our strength from ministry from the God who sent us. Not from our social media likes, not from the number of people who gather in our meetings, not from the number of people who say, well, you're doing a good work. We ought to get our sense of fulfillment from the fact that, listen, I am obedient to that which God has called me to do. Praise God. I said, praise God. Now, let's read First Kings chapter 19, verse 3 to 4. 1 Kings chapter 19 verse 3 to 4. Let's see another man of God. Elisha was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. Can you see this? He says, and he prayed that he might die. Look at the prayer that Elijah prayed, a man of God. He said, oh, that I might die. <laughs> if a member were to sit before you in the office and say, pastor, this is what I'm praying. You're going to say, shut up. There's hope for you. Don't pray this kind of prayer. This is what a minister prayed. He says that I might die. I have had enough. Lord, he said, take my life. For I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. <laughs> Without the power of the Holy Spirit, it won't be too long. Some of us will be praying these kind of prayers. Because ministry is a tough work. It's not an easy assignment. It's almost a thankless job. It's a job where you do everything and you get little or no thank you. Even though you say, well, I don't care whether people appreciate me or not, you care. From your attitude, I know you care. Praise God. From the way you're behaving right now, I know you care. You just want to hear somebody say, that meeting was good. But you realize that the reason he was beginning to feel like this is because this man has not talked to God recently. He hasn't heard God's word recently. How many of you know sometimes when you're so burdened with a lot of things and you go before the Lord in prayer and the Lord speaks just one word to you and it looks like everything disappears. It looks like joy is impacted. But the question we ask ourselves is why are we not constantly going before the Lord? The busyness of ministry can make us prayerless. That's the truth. The busyness of ministry 
can make you prayerless, but you cannot afford to be prayerless. You cannot afford to be prayerless. In 2008, a survey of pastors conducted by Lifeway Research found that 57, 57% of pastors spend six hours or less per week in prayer. An earlier study by Peter Wagner found that pastors spend an average of 22 minutes per day in prayer. As a comparative, the average amount of time spent viewing television by all the pastors of it was almost eight hours per week. In these days of social media and masses of entertainment via internet, if we are not careful, we would replace a lifestyle of prayer with entertainment. If we are not careful, our prayer life will be gone. A lot of administration. You know, in, 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 in his book, um, Screw Tape Letters, C.S. Lewis, look at what he said. An instruction to the demon. There was a, you know, he tried to write in literally way. So there was a, a demon in the book called Wormwood. Look at the instruction that the demon was given. It says, interfere at any price and in any fashion when people start to pray. For real prayer is lethal to our cause. It says, interfere at any price and in any fashion when people get to pray. Because in real prayer, they are doing damage to our work. And, you know, we can have a lot of good things that keep us from praying. We can have a lot of good agenda that keep us from praying. How many times do we spend before the Lord praying for our Sunday services? How many times really? If not the late Saturday night prayer. The early morning prayers in the office quickly before you start preaching. We cannot afford to do the work that God has called us with a prayerless, a prayerless lifestyle. And listen, I'm very careful. I'm not talking about this thing you see all over again advertising we're going to have nine hours of prayer we're going to have 15 hours of prayer we're going to because it's almost looking right now that the number of hours you can advertise shows that you're the real prayer guy that's not what i'm talking about this thing has nothing to do with what we're doing to help the saints pray i'm talking about our personal prayer life those those prayer marathons are good to train the saints to pray but I'm talking about our individual prayer life. You have an invitation to preach three months ahead. And you're praying about that invitation 30 minutes every day, praying in the spirit every day, praying in the spirit every day. And you built up prayer for over three months on that one meeting. People's life will never be the same. This thing must become a lifestyle for us. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This must become a lifestyle where we are driving our ministries by the power of prayer. It is in those power of prayer we begin to discover that God will begin to put the right people at the right place. We will stop this human networking trying to put ourselves out there so people will see us and you know all of these things will begin to stop because the more we spend the more time we spend with god the less time we spend trying to make ourselves successful on the earth you know what i realized 
the more time we spend with God, we begin to get divine perspective to everything. Even the things that we call success on the earth will not matter to us anymore because we're waning on what? On divine perspective. Praise the name of the Lord. I said praise the name of the Lord. And one of the things I try to achieve in this material is to call us back to the place of prayer. To call everyone as pastors that we can do this assignment through prayers. We can pray our message out. We can pray our ministries out. We can bet our local churches in prayer. Amen. We can pray the money in. Praise God. That through the force of prayer, we can do valiant things for God. They that know their God, they shall be strong and shall do exploit. And we know how Daniel was strong in Babylon. Come on. How was Daniel strong in Babylon? Three times a day. Daniel will open the windows and pray towards Jerusalem. Daniel was strong in prayers. Even when the king had the dream and said, Listen, if you don't give me the interpretation, I'm going to kill everyone. What did Daniel ask for? Daniel didn't say, Oh Lord, into your hands I commit my spirit. Daniel said, Give us time. Let's go pray about it. In the place of prayer, we will never be disadvantaged. In the place of prayer, we, there will never be a problem in this world that there is no solution in the place of prayer. Our greatest emphasis in this day and in this age is to return to that place of communion with the Lord. He will give us instructions concerning ministry. He will tell us where to go. He will tell us what to do. Praise the name of the Lord. Ministry was never designed to be run outside of the place of prayer. Let's let's read something. Go with me to Exodus chapter 28. I want to just give a bit of example from there. Exodus chapter 28 and verse 1. Looking at the priest priestly example. Call for your brother Aaron and his son Nadab, Abihu and Eleazar and Ithama. Set them apart from the rest of the people of Israel so that they may minister to me and be my priests. No, go back to verse 1. The, call, the, the ministry starts with a call. In as much as we repeat this often, we should never, it should never come to a point where we overemphasize it. That ministry begins with a call from God. Ministry does not begin with our zeal. Ministry does not begin with our passion. Ministry does not begin with our desire to see the world saved. A call to ministry in this regard starts with what? With a call from God. God has to call you into the assignment. It's good to have passion. It's good to have zeal. It's good to want to see everywhere, everybody born again. But if you're going to stand in the fivefold ministry, according to Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11, you must make sure, right in your knower, that you know that you're called for that assignment. Because the days we're entering into are tough days. And if you're not called, <laughs> I'm sorry, you will, you will not be able to survive the storm. Are you following what I'm saying? Come on, talk to me. I said, are you following what I'm saying? 
He says, call for your brother Aaron and his sons, Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. Set them apart from the rest of the people of Israel. The primary purpose God called them, he said, so they may minister to me and be my priest. I want to emphasize that. Our first call to ministry as pastors is to first of all minister to the Lord. If we get this priority wrong, the foundations of our work will be tough. Ministering to the Lord. Called to minister to Him. Separated unto Him. And one of the ways we minister to the Lord is in prayers and fasting. One of the ways we minister to the Lord is in prayers and fasting. It has to be something that becomes a part of our life. Knowing fully well that we have been called and separated unto the Lord for an assignment that God has called us to do. It says, separate them from the people of Israel so they may minister to me and be my priest. You are first of all the priest of God. You do not belong to the people. The people are not the ones that determine how ministry is conducted. We are not called to please people. We are not called to make people feel comfortable. We are not called so that people will be happy with us. In as much as we want our churches to grow and to be filled, we are not called just to gather the crowds. We are ministers of God. We are sent to proclaim the message of Christ to the world. Regardless of how they feel about it. Because we are, we are in a generation right now that almost they are determining what is true. Are you following what I'm saying? We are in a generation that is rewriting the Bible. We are rewriting our standards. Unfortunately, we are even rewriting what church should be. So if you don't have bags of rice and money to distribute and house rent to pay, you're not a true church. You're not a true pastor. The things that Jesus said we should do in secret, we do them openly now because that's how people will know that we are a church that care. And if we're not careful, we are in a generation that is rewriting truth. And the reason we are rewriting truth is because we're not spending enough time with the one who is truth himself. So he said, call for your brother. Let them minister to me. God wants you. God wants us as pastors to minister to him. 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 He is our first love. He is our first priority. He is our first engagement. It is in ministering to the Lord first of all that he called us. If the Lord were to strip us of what we have right now, are we still going to be joyful? If the Lord is to come and say, my son, 
I don't want you to preach anywhere anymore for the next one year. Stay before me in prayers and fasting and in the study of the word. I tell you, I might likely say that's the voice of the devil. You know why? Come on, talk to me, talk to me, talk to me. Do you know why? We have taken our self-esteem from how many messages we preach. We have taken our self-esteem from how many places we go. Do you see how somehow it's almost a struggle right now? If the Lord opens a door for, for pastor to probably go to Asia to preach and I'm his friend, I get offended that he has been going to Asia and he has not taken me along. Come on, come on, come on. Let's, we are ministers. Let's be honest. Because right now you even see people suggest it. You know, if you are connected to that man, if that man opened those doors, you can enter through that man. You can enter those doors. It is all about scheming. Why? Because if I've been to Asia, somehow within my message, I must find a way to put it, what the Lord told me in Asia. And that makes people feel that this man has made it. And the reason is because we have, re we have gone out of our duty that of ministering to the Lord, we are now more focused on ministering to people. So the question is, what do people need right now? Nigeria is poor. Nigeria is the poverty capital of the world, according to whoever says that. So right now, our people are poor. What do we need? Business teachings, so they can start business. And before you know, a man that is called into the fivefold ministry starts addressing himself as a life coach. I'm a life coach. I'm a consultant. I'm an author, speaker, management guru. Uh, you, and you're asking yourself are these things more important than that fact that the king of kings have called you to represent him before people in our eyes these things are more important and you know how we deceived ourselves to get here we told ourselves we are in the world we have to be wise if I say I'm a pastor they will not receive me so I have to tell them I'm a growth consultant kingdom growth <laughs> strategic consultant like I have to package it that way God knows that we will live in 2019 and in Ephesians chapter 4 it says and he gave some to be pastors B. Winston was preaching two days back and he said the, 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 their state gov government called them um, called them they should come and start teaching in their prisons that the foundation class and leadership classes they started in prison is producing so much results the government called them say come to prisons come and help us our call as pastors if we are not going to complain like Elijah and Moses and tell God this work is too much kill me they actually do you realize that these two people actually pray to God that God should kill them you think you are better than Moses or Elijah? With all the miracles, with all the crowd, a man that pastored over 3 million people as the senior pastor, you think if you have 500 people, you'll be satisfied? If you have 500 people, the burden of those 500 people will make you die before your time if you don't learn to minister to the Lord. Some of us, God is, God is helping our churches to be small so we can learn this lesson first. 
Because pastoral work is bearing the burden of the people. But this is the key. You were not designed to bear it without spending time with God. It is as you spend time with God that He gives you what? He gives you the resource. He gives you the energy. It's like, it's like, you know, your, your role is that of a servant. You take from this person, right? You take from this person. How many of us have gone to eat in restaurants, right? Not bookers, restaurants. If you go and eat in restaurants, what happens? You come into the restaurant, you make your order, right? The waiter, the waiter goes to the kitchen, takes your order, brings for you, right? Then you finish eating, he takes the plate back to the kitchen and collects the bills. How the food is produced is, is not his idea. That is our work in ministry also. That is our responsibility in ministry also. We are to wait for the Lord. What do you have to speak to your people on Sunday? The Lord gives it to us. We go before the people and say, we serve it. And then people come, oh, I have headache. Oh, I have cancer. Oh, my house rent. What do we do? We take those people's problem. Minister to them in the name of Jesus. Not in our names. Not in the names of our ministry. Because if we're not careful, this thing called branding is about putting ourselves and the name of our ministries in the, in the minds of people. God hasn't called us to promote our ministries. God has called us to promote the gospel. It's a very thin line. And if we're not a generation that begins to draw back and ask the Lord certain questions, we will build, but not according to pattern. You know one of the things that God told Moses? He says, ensure that you build according to the pattern that was shown you on the mount. How many of you know Paul wanted to go to Bidna to preach? And God told him, don't go. Wanted to move to another city, God said, don't go. And the Bible says in the ninth vision, He said, come to Macedonia and help us. Can I tell you something? If Paul had gone to Bithynia and God, Paul had gone to all of those other places, the work God wanted to do in Macedonia, he would not have used Paul. Everywhere you're putting your energy right now that is making you not to be able to spend time in prayer, you're wasting your energy as a pastor. Let it even be in administration. The apostles recognized this and said, this was not the pattern that Jesus laid up for us. He says, we will give ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. They were wise. We cannot be wiser than the apostles. If every time, listen, as your ministry grows, if you are not reaffirming that decision, you are already becoming prayerless. As your ministry grows, you will need a higher level of spiritual resource to minister to the people. You have a church of 50 people. You have maybe 50 challenges. You have a church of a hundred people, hundred different challenges. You know what that should do for you? It should pull you back into the prayer place. You know, I require more resource for these people. But you know what? We now spend more time in administration. We now spend more time from one meeting to another. You're meeting with this group. You're meeting with this group. You're meeting with this group. Before you know, your whole day is crowded with administration and you're no longer ministering to the Lord. One of the reasons we gathered today is to call ourselves, including myself preaching, back to this place. 
Now listen, ministry starts, begins, and ends in the secret place. Praise the name of the Lord. I said praise the name of the Lord. But you know something the Spirit of the Lord began to impress into my heart? Do you realize those same Macedonian people, they were in deep poverty? There is no church growth strategy that will tell you to go and preach to Macedonian people. They were in deep poverty. So, of course, Paul could not go there saying he wants to receive an offering. How many of us are led again to rural places to preach? How many of us are led again to the slums to carry out outreaches? Because right now, the measure of ministry is the offering. In fact, you will hear pastors counsel you on that. That place you are going, there's no profit. They will tell you. Say, you have to consider what you are putting in and what you are getting out. But do you realize it's that same Macedonian people that the Bible says out of their deep poverty they begged us to give you an offering. So they may minister to me. Our first call pastors is to minister to the Lord. Let no day pass you by as a pastor that you're not ministering to the Lord. Let no single day, I don't care how busy you are, Martin Luther, Martin Luther the reformer, not King Junior, now not the, the one that fought racism. Martin Luther the reformer, the Catholic reformer, he said something. He said, I have so much to do today that I must spend the first three hours in prayer before my father. So that we can walk with the resource of heaven. Gone are the days past where we hear testimony and say, Oh, pastor, the Lord told me this night that this, this, this and this needs to be done in the ministry. Here it is. We depend so much on our fundraising tactics. And where we are not good fundraisers, we depend on pastors who are specialist fundraisers. To bring them to help the work of God. <laughs> so you hear people say, I can raise money. Say, bring him to your church. He can he say, No matter how stingy your people are, let just give me one hour. Just give me one hour. And then you just hear 30%, 30% of everything I get. And then you can justify it in your mind. Am I am I spending the money on myself? Is it no speaker we want to buy? Do you realize that the more we minister to the Lord, the more we'll be at peace with the assignment that God has given to us, regardless of how insignificant it is in the eyes of men? Regardless of what people think of our churches? Regardless of the number of people we preach to? And this thing calls to die into our flesh daily, and we can only die to our flesh daily as we spend time before the brightness of heaven. To knock us down from our high horses of ministry. Do you realize that if people are not attending your churches as they should, you can hardly have a decent conversation with another pastor because you almost feel embarrassed. Because it's not about how many people, what is the amount. These are the two indicators. 
Do you realize Noah built an ark for 120 years? Nobody believed him. Come on, come on, come on. Do you realize that it was heaven's mandate for him to build that ark for 120 years? Nobody believed him. Do you know God took Philip from ministering in a city and sent him to a desert to minister to one man? That is against every church growth strategy known to human beings. We must learn to spend time before the Lord again. Our ministries, listen to me, must again be built from the secret place. Are, are you following what I'm saying? We must be built from what? From the inside out. Not out in. Our ministries again must be what? Built from where? Inside out. Every time the focus is on outside in, we're going to miss it. I just realized something. After preaching on Sunday, do you even spend time again praying for that message you have preached that the people will understand it? That the light of God's word will shine in the hearts of the people? That it will come to true and genuine repentance before the Lord? Or we're just excited about the gatherings of sermons? Praise God. Let me share some thoughts with you here. Go with me to Acts 13 verse 2. If you can, please get the book. There's a whole lot here that I haven't even scratched the surface. This is just supposed to stir our hearts. Go with me to Acts chapter 13 verse 2. I want us to spend some time there. We're going to spend about another couple of minutes just praying for our ministries. Praying. I told you about Derek Prince at the age of 40. He said, I had no income. I had nothing. I had no plans. But when God began to use that man all over the world before he died, about a billion plus people were listening to his radio programs. Even till date, Derek Prince's ministry is still on air. And yet, some of us who are alive were still struggling for money to buy 10 minutes every week. Yet there are people willingly partnering with a dead man. Are we together? Come on, am I, am I speaking to some people here? What do they have? What do they see? What encounter did they have with God? That is my longing. I just realized that, that right now, I'm losing interest in certain things. Because there's a longing in my heart. To see authentic ministry on the earth. There's a longing in my heart. To see the power and the glory of God. Walking things out. You labor over a man. For years. For years. And you watch the action of that man. After being in your church for 5 years, 6 years, 10 years. Even without God judging you you realize you haven't done anything in this man. 
still a liar, still a scammer. And you ask yourself, if the gospel cannot change the man who listens to me every day, what am I preaching? You know what we say? We say, oh, that's our generation. But then the question is, that's why God called us in this generation. Because we, he does not leave himself without a witness in every generation. As, as, as wicked as we call this generation, where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. There is enough grace to bring people to repentance in this generation. You know what I told myself? I'm not going to give any excuse anymore for the reason why I'm failing in ministry. God is able. I'm not going to give excuse anymore why there's no finances in the assignment. The same God who put a coin in the mouth of a fish can still do the same today. I've chosen to be a believer in the word that God will cause his word to come true. Praise God. Look at this. One day, as this man were worshipping, the King James Bible uses the word ministering before the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, dedicate Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I've called them. Did you realize that these people were ministering to the Lord? Then the Lord spoke about the assignment. They were not going to ask the Lord, what have you called me to do? Do you realize that it is when you're ministering before the Lord that certain special instructions concerning your ministry will begin to come? You know one thing I found that certain instructions that the Lord is giving to me regarding ministry did not come because I was praying for anything. They came as I was just worshiping the Lord. I wasn't praying for my church to grow. I wasn't praying for money. Do you understand? Some of those times, sometimes even... You are in the bathroom just worshiping before the Lord. Oh, Rabbi Sunday, Father, thank you. And the Lord just says, This thing concerning your ministry. Handle it. Do it this way. Do it this way. Do you know why the Lord spoke to you then? That was the only one time you came before Him to minister to Him without asking for anything. Because you know, if you're doing the talking, God cannot be talking. Two people can't talk at the same time. And since you have chosen to be the one that talks the most in this relationship, God has also chosen to be the one that listens. So every time you come into a relationship, oh God, oh God, take me to the nations. Oh God, open the doors. Oh God, hey, oh God, oh Father, hey. And God is just saying, are you done? And immediately you finish, before the Lord starts speaking, you have counseling. You have to meet this. You have to meet that. That woman that promised you some money, you have to meet them. Let's ask ourselves this question. Do you know the Lord called John G. Lake to South Africa? John G. Lake was a businessman. The Lord called him to South Africa and he sold his business and went to South Africa and the Lord spoke to a woman in South Africa that John G. Lake was coming and that she should be responsible for her, I think, in the early days of his ministry work. Do you think it's the same God we're serving? I want to get an answer. Do you think it's the same God we are serving? Do you know that God knows your address? 
I know it looks a very childish question. You, you are pastors. I know you don't expect to be gathered here to be taught this kind of basic thing. But just bear with me. Do you know that the Lord knows your address, where you are staying? Are you sure the Lord knows where you are staying? I know some of our streets don't have street numbers. But are you sure the Lord knows where you are staying? Are you sure the Lord knows what you need? And then third question, are you sure the Lord can get it to you? You know, it's easy to say yes to all these things than to leave it. If you are sure of these things, you will spend more time with God than you spend with people trying to get resources. One day I was ministering before the Lord and the Lord put in my heart. He said, sometimes you know why you, as pastors you struggle for resources? I said, no. It's because you're taking the resources I've given you for your assignment to do what I've not called you to do. So if you stay with what I have asked you to do, the resources I bring will be enough for that assignment. But you know what? You've added so many assignments to what I ask you to do. So the resources that comes is like this plant now. I've called you, I said, Pastor, take care of this plant. And I give you a bucket of water. A bucket of water will be enough to water this plant for it to be green, for it to be flourishing. But you decided that you're going to plant four buckets of flowers. What's going to happen? Am I going to give you four buckets of water? No. I'm not going to give you the three extra buckets of water because I didn't send you for that. So you know what happens? We take the one bucket of water that God has given us for this and you do what? We put a little there, we put a little here, we put a little here, we put a little here. You now realize at the end of the day, none of these plants is green, including the original one that God called us to do. Take a man like Rehad Bonke. Has been doing crusades for years. Those crusades cost millions of dollars. Does not receive crusades in his offering ground, or offerings in his crusade ground. Has retired, as it were, from active ministry, handed over to a young man who is not up to 40. They are seeing the same crowd. They are seeing the same resort, spending the same money. Not one day have you seen a special fundraising. These things need to make us ask ourselves questions. Are we doing the right thing? You know what? He stayed with his assignment. Never passed out the church. Stayed with that assignment. All his resources on that assignment. I remember reading a book by Bishop Bolibor several years ago. He said, somebody came and offered Billy Graham, we want to build a university. He said, no. God has not called me to that. You know we are in a generation that is difficult to say no. Every suggestion somebody brings, you add it to your ministry. Everything you add it to your ministry. And you know the reason? Because we're not spending time with God. But do you know this? Look at what he said. He said, dedicate Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I've called them. So they were in a group and the Lord says, there is a special assignment. How many of you know that because the Lord has said, separate unto me Paul and Barnabas for the work which has sent them, God is going to be responsible for funding this work. Hello? God is going to be responsible for opening the doors regarding this work. God is more interested in opening doors for you than you are interested in yourself. You know what I realized and I told myself? Lord, you're the one that called me. If you need people in Asia to hear this message, sort it out. 
You gave me a word. You gave me a calling. Whoever you need to hear this message, it's your responsibility. When the Lord says, go into all the word, he gave them a specification. He gave them a pathway. And you know what happened? He asked them to first of all, go to the upper room and spend time ministering to him in prayers. And while they were there, the Holy Ghost came. And the Holy Ghost caused that word that God gave to them to come to pass. I've spent my time reading George Muller. How interesting that man. How interesting. He lived a life of faith by prayer in God. And I'm asking myself, can we, re- can we recover this again? Can we begin to pastor through prayers again? Can we reduce the human energy in our work? Can we reduce the, the, the forcefulness to advance in our human strength? We will get administration right. We will get excellence right. But that's not ministry. Are you following what I'm saying? You might not be more excellent than some banks that you go to in your life. You might not be more excellent. Are you following what I'm saying? They can do that. We can do it. But you know what? They can't preach the gospel. The church is the only institution mandated, called, ordained, anointed by God to preach, to live, to exemplify the gospel. We must not make that our secondary purpose. That must once again become our primary purpose. And this happens as we spend more time with God. Praise God. Are you still here? One of the key things, Kenneth Higgins said this statement, and I want you to think deeply on it. If you are not in God's best, you can't claim God's best. If you're not in God's best, you can't claim God's best. If you're not in God's perfect will, you can't claim His perfect provision. We need to know that and find our place. If you're not in God's best, you can't claim God's best. If you're not in God's perfect will, you can't claim His perfect provision. We need to know that and find our place. And saints, how do we get this done? In prayers. Kneeling before the Lord. Spending time with Jesus. Do you know, Pastor O'Neill, that it will be tough for the Lord to ask me to leave here and go somewhere else? Do, do you realize that? It's, it's a tough thing. Have you heard sometimes when pastors are posted to certain places, you hear statements like, now that I'm beginning to, I want to start enjoying the fruit of my labor. And then you know what, you know what happened? They break off and start their own churches in that same city because they feel I've labored enough. It's my time to reap. So they have designed their own reward system on the earth by themselves. They have designed their own reward systems on the earth by themselves. 
We, we are young pastors. We must ask ourselves some critical questions so we don't repeat certain mistakes of the generation that is gone ahead of us. Are we actually looking for a heavenly reward or we have decided to settle for an earthly reward? Have we made up our mind that this is it? Whatever I can get here, that's it. Are there things we have counted loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ and for the proclamation of the gospel? Or we actually want to have everything we can? But our motives can only be purified in the place of prayer. If we don't spend time with Jesus, we can never know his mind. Separate unto me Paul and Barnabas for the work which I have called them. The Lord can call you for a separate assignment. But how will you hear the voice of the Lord if you're not spending time with Him? Can the Lord tell you this season of your life is over? Move to the next. Even your friends will counsel you. Which season? When it's supposed to be your time of rest? Have you realized that we cannot walk away from certain things in our mind? One of the prayers I've been praying in the last couple of months as the Lord began to open this for me, say, Lord, never give me anything that I'm so attached to that you cannot call me from. Don't give me an anointing that I'm so attached to you cannot call me from. Don't give me a place of service. Don't open a door for me that I'm so attached to you cannot say, hey, son, come. What I want to use you there for is over. I need you to move here for me. We have, our, we have our standards of who is a success in ministry. We have our, our, our criterias of how we're going to move in ministry. Some of us even have 30-year plans for our ministries. We, don't, we have not even asked the Lord if this is what the Lord wants us to do for the next 30 years. But we're that strategic. Sometimes you go to a pastor's conference today and you see psychologists brought in, uh, brand strategists brought in. Because why? After we have taught you about the spirit, then we need these guys to help us. This generation is not tougher than the generations before us. That's the truth. But God's word is still powerful. God's word still works. And this is something we need to be careful of. Praise God. This is something we need to be careful of. This is something we need to be careful of. This man worshiped before the Lord. And the Lord said, separate unto me, Barnabas, for the work with which I have called them. In Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Luke 10, 38. Share a few thoughts and then we'll pray. Luke 10, 38. And Jesus and the disciples continued their way to Jerusalem. They came to a certain village where, where a woman named Martha welcomed them into her home. Verse 39. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening, listening, listening to what he taught. We cannot pastor people if we are doing all the talking and not listening to Jesus. 
there is still something called the secret place from which we pastor our congregation. Praise God. You know, that Egan said something. He said, a particular time, a depression was going to, an economic recession was going to come to America. Either a year or two before he came, the Lord spoke to him and said, I want you to cut down on certain things. Cut down on this outreach. Do this, do this, do this, and cut it down. The Lord told him about that. When Faith Leaders Conference, Kid Butler, and he was telling us something, he said, listen, I realize that every time I'm having a financial strain in my ministry is because I'm employing someone the Lord is not asking me to employ. And this is a man that has over a hundred staff working in the main ministry. And he's saying, listen, look at our finances and observe something is wrong. We'll find out there's somebody there that needs not be there. And he was teaching us about listening to the voice of the Spirit, teaching us from Acts chapter 1, when they took uh, Matthias to replace, you know, and they casted Lord, they made their own decision, you know, they have decided everything before they prayed. Say, let's look for somebody, let's feel this, let's do this, let's cast lots, then they prayed. He used that scripture to teach us in the faith leaders conference and said, listen, listen. God's replacement for Judas was Saul. But how many of you know the apostles will never think that that will be the replacement? How many of you know that even amongst us, somehow you have an idea of who is going to be your assistant pastor and the Lord just refrains you from ordaining that man for a while and shows you what is in the heart of that man and you are shocked that you have also been deceived. And meanwhile, there will be one guy in church who doesn't look serious. And that's God's choice. Ah, come on. How many of you understand what I'm saying? Everybody, who, I know if you have pastored for a long time, you have this experience. You just think this is the serious guy. This is my lawyer guy. This is the man who said we should do this vision together. God is restraining you, restraining you, restraining you. Eight years down the line, the man shows his truth and you're like, what? This guy? And maybe there is one weakling in church like that. And gradually the Lord begins. In fact, when the Lord starts pointing you to him, you think it's Satan that wants to destroy your ministry that is showing you that person. Listening to the Lord. Verse, verse 40. Verse 40. But matter was distracted. Everybody say distracted. I can't hear you say distracted. By the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus. How many of you know that what mother was doing was not wrong? It was only misplaced priority. So when I talk about us giving ourselves to prayers, we are not talking about sins we are committing. We're not, when we say, calm down on administration a bit and focus on prayer. We're not saying administration is bad. It's a good thing. After all, somebody will say, after all this preaching, we did not eat. It, it's a legitimate question. It's a legitimate need she wanted to fulfill. Was she cooking for herself? No, she was not cooking for herself. The people you spend time counseling, are you counseling them for yourself? No. The things you are busy doing, are you doing them for yourself? No, you're doing them for the Lord. But I heard someone say this and it blessed my life. It says, we don't put prayer as our scale of preference, number one, he said, no, it is wrong. It is from the place of prayer we determine our scale of preference. 
I'll say it again. So we don't say, today, I'm going to do one, two, three, four, five. No, 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 no. What do we do? We, we go before the Lord. And from the place of prayer, we begin to say, this is going to take first place. This is going to take second place. This is going to take third place. Do you know as ministers of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, sensitivity to the spirit can be the difference between life and death for one of your members? You can just be somewhere that Hagin made, made mention of that. He said one time they were about to eat and a burden to pray came upon him. He excused himself and began to pray, pray, pray until he got the note of victory. Not knowing that someone was getting involved in an accident. Imagine if he was not sensitive enough to hear that. The next text message you will get, so and so has gone to be with the Lord. And you say, oh, the Lord give it and the Lord take it. And the Lord say, I'm not part of that. You were distracted. This walk is a spiritual walk. Sometimes the Lord will just call you. Call that brother. You don't even know why you're calling them. Not knowing. Maybe the brother is tired of life. And he's about to take his life. And his phone just rings. And you just say, Pastor. Ah, oh, how are you? Sir, how are you? You don't even know why you called. And hearing your voice convicts him. And saves his life. But if we are too busy for these promptings, and the Lord says, Because I will call later when I get home, when I get home, when I get home, when I get home. The Lord says, Pray about this. Or the Lord says, Take this seed from your ministry, send it to that ministry right now because I need to get something to you. Or do this. Or stop this program you're doing right now. Focus on this. Lead the church in a season of fasting. But say, No, we have our monthly team. This month, we are focusing on diligence, the key to success. And, you know, every time the Lord calls us to prayer, it's not about praying about something that will happen today. Sometimes the Lord calls us to pray about things that are going to happen in the years to come. But He needs a seed to be planted today, so that in the next five years, you'll be ready for that harvest. And you walk away from that opportunity, because we're not spending enough time with the Lord. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you? Can you, can you imagine? <laughs> Matter speaking to the Lord. How many times have we gone to the place of prayer with accusations? Lord, is it not unfair to you that I've been pastoring for five years and I have only six members? Is it not unfair to you? Even if you were the pastor of this church, I would not treat you like this. Come on, how many times have we gone before the Lord to accuse Him of being unfair? Yeah. I've even realized that coming to finance a ministry, there's something about hearing the voice of the Lord that brings resources. Go to Zarephath. I've commanded a widow to feed you. And go to the brook. And the brook dries up. And the Lord switches. You know what I realized today? You know what I realized today? The Lord can be giving you personal instructions in your life that opens the door of harvest. You can say, hey, do this. You do that. You do this. Spend time in praying. Spend time in confessing this word. Spend time in declaring this. Spend time in doing this. 
to spend some time in doing this. And as you are planting those seeds, you're giving the father legitimate right to intervene in certain areas of your life. This work is highly spiritual. It's highly spiritual. Lord, does it not seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? She does not know that sitting before the Lord is the real work. Do you know it takes work for you to sit there and listen to me? Sometimes it even takes more work than me that is preaching. Because right as you are seated there, you need to fight distractions. Some of you have where to go immediately after now. Some of you have things you've cancelled to be here. Some of you, you left your wife. You are not sure if the money you left her is going to be enough for food. As I'm speaking, there are one million things going through your mind. It is actually work to sit down and listen to someone and hear what the Spirit is saying. That's the real work. They came to Jesus. What shall we do that we might do the works of Christ? The works of Christ. The works of God. What shall we do that we might do the works of God? He said, this is the work. One work. He says, believe in Him. Ah, believe. Believe is no work now. I believe. No, you don't. No, you don't. I've told you this story many times. If you heard me preach, one thing I'm beginning to learn right now is repetition is safety. So I'll repeat some stories. Whether you've heard them again, hear it again. I remember one time I was going to Uganda. I was in Kenya. I was going to Uganda to preach. And we had just 